Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and give us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, um, so we're going to pray for, for Josh today for his surgery. His wiffle ball surgery, his injury. Um, so, um, let's now, I guess, sort of finish up or, or, or wrap up our um, section on artificial reproductive technologies. Although we're going to sort of look at it a little bit more continuously as we go on at the beginning of life issues. Today, I want to specifically focus on the issue of experimentation on embryos and also take a a trip down memory lane and look at the whole stem cell cloning, therapeutic cloning debate from about 20 years ago. Um, Particularly, though, we're going to, I guess, in a certain sense, focus on embryos, experimentation of them that have been obtained through IVF. If not discarded, then there's an attempt to use them for the advancement of scientific knowledge or therapeutic means. Before we get into that, one point that we did sort of or was brought up after class yesterday, uh, last week, is what about the woman who has had IVF and has the extra cryopreserved embryos and then has a conversion and she realizes that, like, she shouldn't have done this, but she doesn't want her children to be frozen or die. Can she have them implanted in her own womb to be able to bring them to term? That still seems I think by the principle of totality, which is like, you know, like you can give away a kidney, right? And you're doing harm to your body, but you're doing it, you know, the law of charity. I think you can make a pretty good argument that that can be done. I'm not saying it's the ideal. I'm saying like if they're gonna throw your kids away in the trash and they're gonna die, and you should never have been there in the first place, I think you have you have an argument from totality. Okay. Um, I want to say no because it's not it's not purely appropriate of an act, and also just be purely accidental to say that it's okay to implanted in the biological mother, but not a different woman. But I don't really see the, the actual difference. Anybody else has a comment? You know, I think, John. I think the, any argument from procreative act isn't quite valid because that's that's already happened in the sense of what's been. So, but I mean, there are arguments from other integrity of eternity. Once again, I've never seen any good thought explanations on that particular issue. It's always linked with procreation, but not, not by itself. Yeah. Brother, you had a comment? I'm kind of thinking similar. Like, it's hard to say because, like, the, the evil of destroying the procreation has already occurred, so you're kind of, like, arguing. You know, the, in a sense, it's any evil not to let the embryo gestate within the mother, so, but does that justify doing a really, you know, extraordinary means to get the baby to develop and what kind of harm 
is already associated with that. So uh, because the like you look at the two things, the procreative side and then the the um, gestative side or yeah, or what what is it the um, Every, everyone has a right within a marriage. Yeah, but it would be within the marriage. We're not talking about heterologous. We're talking about the, the mother of the child. Let's say even within the context of a, a legitimate marriage. John, you had another comment? I was going to ask you, I think I have the answer to this one, but just clarification. Uh, the extraordinary means point is a... No one has a right to extraordinary means, but it doesn't mean extraordinary means can't be voluntarily undertaken. If the people undertaking it say this is if we could, this is within our reach, in other words, if the parents have the money and it's what could be extraordinary in a third world country or in a war zone because it's too difficult for, for that, that, that setting, that doesn't mean the same thing as saying anybody who has the means should not or cannot pursue particular medical correct yeah so that's why i mean just when you mentioned extraordinary means i wanted to make sure that i understood that it's not like it's wrong to pursue extraordinary means it's just you don't have a right to it and it's not wrong to not pursue it and sometimes yeah yeah it's it's a hard question because it would it be homologous so you're not adopting an embryo so the whole surrogate motherhood wouldn't come in um But the Vatican document says that the, the kid, the ch- it doesn't make a distinction uh, of saying it says that this, they're in a possible situation. It doesn't make a distinction to talk about the mother who converts and then wants to have them implanted. I mean, the procreative act has already been done. This, I think, gets back into the discussion that we had over um, the question of I- implantation is separate from procreation. Oh, yeah. Intention is different. Intention is probably better. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't. But the circumstances are the circumstances do I- impact this. It's the 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 mother as opposed to a heterologous, like uh, like an adopted one. So there's a little bit of difference because it technically wouldn't be surrogacy because right. it is the same. So yes, you are choosing to implant an embryo into your, uh, 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 embryo conceived in embryo fertilization in your womb. That's what you're choosing to do. However, what's going to really specify the act is the fact that it is your child. Um, Still, I I think I'd have to do a little bit more research to give a definitive answer, but I think it's going to potentially err on the side of it's just not going to be really possible. Even though possibly... Lots of culpability, certainly. Um, understandably, your intention is good, but still a difficult question, yes. Yeah, I think and part of that would be parsing out, like, which actions, and, and maybe this is getting a little bit too legalistic on it, but which actions are the the, the sinful parts of the reason? So, like, taking the, the egg and the sperm and fertilizing them outside of the womb is kind of its own individual kind of, like, Simple action. Uh, it's not just the entirety of the whole thing, but it's it's maybe the smaller part. So once that's already been done, then is taking a fertilizing and implanting it like 
How is that symbol? What exactly? What I'm going to do for this, because this is the same question that came before. I'm going to email or call Father Nicanor Ashiraco, and I will find an answer. I will find an answer to this. These not only the answer to the question, but these distinctions. So, we'll uh, I'll hopefully have it for you by the end of the week. Speaking of the end of the week, I will not be here Friday. I have to go give a retreat, which means I will record a video. It's going to be on sterilization. Please read those Vatican documents. They're important. And because uh, the Lord is kind and merciful, and so am I, I'm not going to give a roll of the die uh, this week. But please still read. Those documents on Friday are really important. Uh, the CDF clarifications, um, particularly because we're going to talk about sterilization and why they should, it shouldn't be done in Catholic hospitals and why Catholic hospitals are probably still doing it. And what, how, what would you do if you accomplish, encountered it? Anyhow. Let's look at um, this idea of we have these embryos. Um, can a, what kind of experimentation or medical procedures can be done on the embryo? Let's look at the first one. And this is not ex- experimentation, nor is it research. It is therapeutic procedures. A therapeutic procedure that is meant for the benefit of the embryo. Uh, like looking for chromosomal defects. Um, is this going to be morally acceptable? Donum vitae number three will say yes. As they are listed, if they, quote, respect the life and integrity of the embryo and do not involve disproportionate risk for it, but are directed towards its healing, the improvement of its conditions of health, or its individual survival. So if your intention is, We've got to weigh the, the, the burdens, uh, the risks versus the benefits. But if there can be this procedure, whether it be uh, gene, gene editing like CRISPR we're going to look at or, or certain other things, that gets a little bit more complicated. But it is possible to do these therapeutic procedures on embryos. What will you need, though, in order to do the therapeutic procedure on the embryo? Testing. Before testing... What do you need to get consent Consent from whom? The embryo? The the parents. You need to make sure you have free and informed consent from the parents. So the uh, Dona Vitae is going to then make a a distinction in this section of looking at, we've already said therapeutic is illicit as long as you follow the proper procedures. Research versus experimentation on embryos. Okay, so and it gives definitions. Research and experimentation are not the same. Research is meant any inductive deductive process which aims at promoting the systematic observation of a given phenomena in the human field or at verifying a hypothesis arising from previous observations. By experimentation is meant any research in which the human being in the various stages of his existence, embryo, fetus, child or adult, We're going to maybe look at experimentation of adults a little bit later on. Represents the object through which or upon which one intends to verify the effect at present unknown or not known of a given treatment. And so what about research? Is it possible to do scientific research on embryos? This is going to be done in Vitae 4. Yes. I think what I read was it's uh, allowable. um, if it, if it doesn't kill the embryo, but if it can help um, future uh, 
Correct. This is donut vitae number four. So we're getting to it. You're jumping ahead. You got it. John's had that, that, that prescient mind. Medical research must refrain from operations on live embryos unless there is a moral certainty of not causing harm to the life or integrity of the unborn child and a mother. So this could be the embryo inside of the womb. And on condition that the parents have given their free and informed consent to the procedure. It follows that all research, even when limited to the simple observation of the embryo, would become illicit were it to involve risk on the embryo's physical integrity or life by reason of the methods used or effects induced. So as John said, yes. As long as we can observe it, we can do research on the embryo there in the womb, we can know exactly what's going on. What about experimentation? And this is where there are going to be a lot of other sort of distinctions made. And I guess maybe we can even sort of draw therapeutic. We would say yes. You would have research. Yes, with, you know, of course, the qual proper qualifications. But experimentation. Can we experiment on embryos? And so this again is donum vitae, that fourth question. As regards experimentation and presupposing the general distinction between experimentation for purposes which are not directly therapeutic and experimentation which is clearly therapeutic for the subject himself, and the case in point one must also distinguish between experimentation carried out on embryos which are still alive and experimentation carried out on embryos which are dead. So basically you have non-therapeutic, therapeutic, and then of the non-therapeutic, you have living and dead. Because of course, you can't be therapeutic on things that are dead. Just in case we need clarification on that. So what about living and non-therapeutic? If the embryos are living, whether viable or not, they must be respected like any other human person. Experimentation on embryos, which is not directly therapeutic, is illicit. So you cannot do <coughs> um, non-therapeutic experimentation, just trying to come up with some new scientific proposal or something, because of the dignity of the embryo, but also because this experimentation, as we'll see, will more often than not destroy the human being in the embryonic stage of development. No objective, even though noble in itself, no intention, such as foreseeable advance to science, to other human beings, or to society, can in any way justify experimentation on living human embryos or fetuses, whether viable or not, either inside or outside the mother's womb. The informed consent ordinarily required for clinical experimentation in adults cannot be granted by the parents who may not freely dispose of the physical integrity or life of the unborn child. That's key here. Maybe you could have in another situation where as an adult could say, yes, I will allow you to experiment on me for the sake of the greater good, but the parent cannot give consent for experimental trials to be done on the child. Moreover, experimentation on embryos and fetuses always involves risk, and indeed, 
In most cases, it involves the certain expectation of harm to their physical integrity or even as their death. This is against human dignity. So once again, we go back to that principle. So non-therapeutic on living, not acceptable, illicit. What about living and therapeutic? In the case of experimentation that is clearly therapeutic, namely when it's a matter of experimental forms of therapy used for the benefit of the embryo itself in a final attempt to save its life, and in the absence of other reliable forms of therapy, recourse to drugs or procedures not yet fully tested can be illicit. So again, let's say this it's a case where this child is going to die, uh, the embryo is, is, is struggling in some ways. Can there be these, these tests that are done? Yes. And I think you're going to say in sort of grave situations. And, of course, you want consent from parents. You know, that's going to be uh, a non-negotiable. Now, what about the non-living corpses of dead embryos for non-therapeutic means? The corpse of human embryos and fetuses, whether they have been deliberately aborted or not, must be respected just as the remains of any other human being. In particular, they cannot be subjected to mutilation or to autopsies if their death has not been verified and without the consent of the parents or of the mother. Okay, so we've got to make sure that the, 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 the autopsies are verified that they're actually dead and that the parents or the mother give consent. Furthermore, the moral requirements must be safeguarded and there be no complicity in deliberate abortion and the risk of scandal be avoided. Also, in the case of dead fetuses, as for the corpses of adult persons, all commercial trafficking must be considered illicit and should be prohibited. So, what are the conditions that we could do experimentation on dead embryos? Consent of the parent, and you've got to make sure that it is deceased, that it's dead. But then we still, of course, want to not traffic them, not selling them, and also have that great respect. Of course, though, illicit experimentation does happen and, and, and often produces results. The scientific results uh, are produces vaccines. We are going to look at that a little bit later when we look at materials of illicit origin. Okay, so again, y'all, yeah, this is, I think, pretty logical stuff. I'm doubting you're going to really encounter a lot of these these situations. You know, this is bioethics. It is healthcare ethics. Um, just to show that respect we have for the embryo, I think when we look at materials of illicit origin, of how some of this illicit experimentation, uh, or even for therapeutic means, uh, has destroyed embryos comes down to us, that's where the ethical question is going to get much bigger. Any questions on this? Yes? Just one more time. You, you said that um, there can be illicit experimentation on dead embryos? Yes. With, with consent? Yes. With consent to make sure that they're dead. That's going to be, look at Donum Vitae 4. So it can be, but I think we've got to be very careful of it. I mean, just very careful that we are having respect, just like you would for a cadaver. So, you know, a, a dead relative, you can donate your body to science. So in a certain sense, the fetus could be donated, even if you could say, like, there was a miscarried fetus. Why would the, the child die? There, there could be research done on that, uh, but you want to make sure that there's consent. What, what I want to do, though, is...
spend some time, even though this really doesn't matter anymore, or it's not as significant anymore, this 20 years ago was a significant debate. For those who are old enough to remember this, just like a week, was it a week before September 11th, I think, uh, George Bush, President Bush, got on television to talk about embryonic stem cell research. So in the year 2000, 2001, this was the big thing. This question of the uh, 1997 was when they had cloned Dolly the sheep. Dolly the sheep. And um, they started to say we could clone embryos and we want to be able to do research, therapeutic research on the embryos. We're not cloning to reproduce like <coughs> um, Star Wars or Attack of the Clones, uh, as Jeremy brought up the other day. But we're going to use them for therapeutic purposes to derive these things called stem cells from them that could hopefully cure diseases and do all this great panacea of wonderful things, which hasn't really bared out as much as maybe they thought it would. Um, and we're going to talk about why. And so he made this address saying, you can't make new embryos, you can't clone, but you could use uh, existing stem cell lines, which was his compromise. We're not going to get into all that. But it was a big, hot debate. Cloning for therapeutic purposes to derive stem cells. So much so that in Dignitatis Personae, number 29 and 30 deal with cloning itself, which is pretty easy to figure out why we shouldn't do that. And then Dignitatis Personae 31 and 32 talks about the therapeutic use of stem cells. This is really no longer a debate because we are now able to uh, derive pluripotent stem cells from other adult sources. So you don't need to harvest or clone embryos anymore. So this, this debate sort of died off about 15 years ago. Um, but it's important for us to keep in mind and to understand. So first of all, what is cloning? Just very sort of briefly, I could put a picture up, up on the board. Cloning is not like Star Wars cloning. You do not make a bunch of little Boba Fetts. A clone would have to like go through a normal growth process. It wouldn't be, you know, you clone it and then all of a sudden, two days later, it's full Boba Fett or full Jango Fett or whatever it is. But it is not fully the stuff of movies. Uh, they have been doing it with plants, Dolly and Ani 7, and now we're able to do it with humans, although you know, they have not been necessarily fully successful yet, uh, particularly developing it to a human, like, like a, a full stage. We also don't really know, and I haven't kept up with cloning research recently, what are some of these side effects that might happen from a cloned being. So basically, what happens is you, you take an egg and then you remove the nucleus of the egg, the oocyte, and then you take the nucleus from a, a, a somatic cell, from an, a bodily cell with the DNA, and you put it into that egg. You give it a little shock, and it makes it join, and then it recovers its original totipotency. It begins to divide and to separate um, and then basically the DNA from another source is put into the egg and it begins to develop as an embryo. Um, 
so that's how you basically do it. You can go online and see different different ways of doing it. It glows into the little blastocyst or the early embryo. <clears throat> and so we can do that. Let's say that that's possible. Well, they were cloning. There's one type of cloning, and that's the key thing. They kept talking about reproductive cloning, therapeutic cloning. No, there's just one clone type of cloning. It's done for two different purposes or two different intentions. One for reproductive purposes, where we're going to create an army of Django Fets, or we are going to be doing it for reproductive uh, therapeutic purposes, where we have an endless supply of these embryos to research upon. Yes. Was that Yuval Levin? Say again? I forgot. Was that Levin's article? Maybe. It was the one on acorns and... No, Bobby George, yeah. Okay, and he's, he was talking about... Uh, he was speaking of another ethicist who said he was okay with... He was against embryonic <coughs> stem cell research, but he was okay with clone, uh, clone, clonogenetic or genesis mm -hmm. stem cell research. And he argued against it for good reason, saying when you turn it back into a totally potent... Uh, embryo can become a full human being. Yeah. Uh, but there was something else he said. There's a way to, to only go to pluripotent, I think, mm -hmm. where you're only taking a liver cell and you're growing just the liver. There's no, there's no omnipotent, you know, omnipotent or pluripotent. Correct. What's, you said there's only one type of cloning. That is kind of a type of cloning from what I understand. But it's not this type of... Yeah, we're not talking about cloning human beings. You can, There's cloning can be legitimate. I can sort of clone other cells that are somatic cells that are not going to be developed into an embryo. But even then now, we can get adult cell... We'll see. I'll make an explanation a bit later. That article was written like 2004. I just thought he made a good philosophical distinction. The advances come in 2006, 2007, 2008, to take this in a different direction, why we, we don't really talk about it much. So one is to produce new life, one is to harvest stem cells from the new life that is produced. Okay, so let's make a distinction here. We are cloning human beings. We're not cloning just bodily cells. We're cloning human beings, one for the purpose of reproduction, one for cells. So it is a difficult and, of course, expensive process and we are still then and now don't really know like what the, the, the risk of mutation would be of bringing uh, a clone all the way to full ability to be implanted in the womb of a woman and grown to, you know, natural delivery. Is a clone a human? Yes or no? Is it a human being? Yes. Yeah, it would be. It would be because it has the genetic material just like a... a a child conceived in vitro, God is not going to stop putting the soul in. You could say, then, if it, if it says no, well, then neither is a twin. Twins often come from, a, it's a natural clone that spins off of a fertilized egg and generates an identity for itself. We could get into twinning later if we want to. But what would it be like if it developed? Well, I mean, certainly it would have the same genetic material. I would say it would probably be like a twin. You know, look very much like you, but it would have its own uh, experiences if it lived and it would develop in its own way. Um, we're not going to necessarily get into that. Regardless of the purpose, it is considered morally unacceptable to clone human beings. Um that, that should be pretty commonsensical. 
Human cloning is intrinsically illicit, and that by taking the ethical, this is Dignitatis Personae 28, that deals with cloning. Human cloning is intrinsically illicit in that by taking the ethical negativity of techniques of artificial fertilization to their extreme, it seeks to give rise to a new human being without a connection to the act of reciprocal self-giving between the spouses and more radically, without any link to sexuality. This leads to manipulation and abuses gravely injurious to human dignity. Okay, pretty clear. It's for the same reason that you wouldn't uh, do in vitro fertilization, you do not clone a human being, um, even if your intentions are good. So what are some other issues that we could also see too that would make human cloning for reproductive purposes or therapeutic purposes unacceptable? Particularly for, this is from Leon Koss, that Jewish um, ethicist that I've quoted before. One of the things is he talks about this, the impact cloning for reproductive purposes would have on identity and individuality. Who is the father, mother, siblings? That could be a real shattering of familial and societal bonds and potentially have devastating psychological effects on the cloned being, obviously. And particularly if you had like a whole race of clones or became very acceptable, what would, how would family bonds look like? Because the clone wouldn't really have a mother or a father. The clone would be me, just younger, with a different soul. The second is the ethics of experimentation. You know, we, we, we're, this is still very experimental and unlike experimenting on pigs or rats, what would you do if you projected a bunch of cloned human beings with serious mutations and defects down the line? But one of the best arguments that I'd hear for at least reproductive cloning that cost makes is despotism. Refusal to let the future pass into the hands of your children. I will control the future. Uh, the future will be me, just cloned. Let it pass to the hands of your children. Let go of control. There's a desire to, to manipulate and control here, which is inherent. <clears throat> but what about for therapeutic purposes? Okay. A clone's embryo's growth would be halted after five or so days in order to harvest stem cells, stem cells, which are these cells that can be reprogrammed to become liver cells, heart cells that could be ideally injected into the body to bring about a cure. So let's say that you had some heart disease. Well, if I could get heart cells and inject them into you, well, then maybe these heart cells would connect somehow and help to heal your heart or your knee or your brain. The problem is, is at that point, you had adult stem cells, but adult stem cells could only <coughs> be reproduced to be the same kind of cell. What they were looking for is this called pluripotency, where it could be reprogrammed to like very early stage cells. So you have all the same cells in that blastocyst as time goes on, DNA will program some to be heart, some to be pancreas, some to be skin. You want to be able to reprogram them from that earliest stage. And 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the only way you could really do it was from these embryonic, very, very early cells. So what is a stem cell? It is 
basically a blank cell. Stem cells are totipotent and be co you know, coaxed to become a brain cell or liver cell, a liver cell or whatever, to be able to develop them into these specific cells to replace damaged tissue and could cure diseases. So the hope was one embryonic cell line, basically they would take the embryo, the cloned embryo, take some of these stem cells and create a cell line from them. You wouldn't have to keep destroying embryos if you had a successful one. You could use just that cell line to provide an endless supply of cells with defined characteristics. Where do you get the cells? Well, back then, you got them from harvesting embryos or adult cells, particularly umbilical cord, placental, or nasal cartilage. These cells could be used, as we come to find out a little bit later on, to be directed in the ability to have a certain pluripotency. Are there any real problems with using adult stem cells? No, because you're not destroying an embryo. Now, the debate really is no, because you can get pluripotent cells not only from stem cells, but from other basic cells, as we will see in a bit. The problem is with the embryonic cells because you have to destroy the embryo. You have to destroy the embryo. And so what happens is um, the problems with adult cells, many of them at that time, there was a limited quality of them. They weren't, they were less, they were less flexible to program. And then also cloning also overcame the obstacle of donor rejection. Basically, you'd be making a clone of yourself from one of your cells and then producing the stem cells and then potentially putting them back into your body. So the argument was at the time that it was going to be okay to clone embryos in order to produce stem cells because first of all, you weren't reproducing a full person. You were just cloning a tiny embryo. And of course, as we know, many don't believe the embryo is a human being. And their intention was good. doesn't matter what the object was. Their intention for therapeutic purposes was good. But the question is, of course, is it a human being? Yes. Do you destroy human beings even if for a good reason? No, you don't. The ends do not justify the means. Romans 8 to 3. And so this was this massive debate. I mean, and what happened was it came to Louisiana. Any of you, did any of you read the article I posted about? Yeah. So what I, I'll give you the full story, the full fun story. It's more fun than the article. So it came to Louisiana, which is funny. And there were certain senators in the state legislature who were like pushing for, and representatives pushing for cloning to allow to have stem cell research. This is the big rage, big rage. And of course the church was against it. Well, when I was in St. Martin Parish at Parks, Louisiana as pastor, it's 2003 is when I got there, 2004, well, Come to find out, our local representative, Craig Romero from down by New Iberia, a Catholic, devout Catholic, go to Mass every Sunday, was voting in favor of cloning for therapeutic purposes. There was this bill. 
And we would go to the, 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 Congre- the House all the time. We would go to the Senate chambers, and we were talking to the different senators and trying to lobby. Uh, but he was the one that I had the juris- more jurisdiction over. So what I did, and I remember so clearly, I called his office twice. And I said, Senator Romero, I'd really like to talk to you. My name is Father Sibley. You know, we really want you to vote the right way because he had voted in favor of it. He had voted in favor of it. We'd like you to change your vote or consider changing your vote. Please come talk to me. My constituents, I mean, this is insane. This is Cajun people. They do not like, you're not going to clone any human beings. They hadn't seen Star Wars, but they know this is not good. I called, no return phone call. I called again a few days later. I said, Senator Romero, I need you to please, please call me back. I'm not threatening you, but I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> I told him, I said, I'm going to talk about this from the pulpit this weekend, and you are going to get some nasty phone calls. Please call me back so we can talk about this before I go say something. No phone call back. Fine. So I got from the pulpit, and I said, all right, y'all, because it was all over the news. Everyone heard this. We have this problem. You shouldn't be cloning human beings because you'll destroy the embryo. I gave all the arguments. And so I said, what I want you all to do is be very nice. Don't be a jerk about it. But why don't you call Senator Romero's office and tell him that this is not a good thing and you're not going to vote for him, you know, <laughs> potentially. You're going to consider it if he can't do the right thing. We don't, Louisiana doesn't want to clone human beings. So anyhow, Monday afternoon, boy. I got that phone call. Craig Romero, what in the world are you doing? Why are these people calling me? And I said, whoa, calm down, bro. <laughs> I said, I have every right to tell my constituents to, to call you. Well, they're calling you like crazy. I can't get any of the phone calls. I said, well, why didn't you warn me about this? I said, I did warn you about this. I left two messages, but you didn't return my phone call. And so he calmed down. I said, listen, I'm not mad at you. But we got to talk. Let's talk about this. You're Catholic. You can reason. Let's sit down and talk. So he said, I'm coming to your office. And I remember he came to the rectory. I sat in the rectory in the office. And I had gotten from Father Tad Paholchek, and I did my own research. I'm going to make my case. I said, and everything was around the fact that, I don't see we're going to be able to help all these people and cure all these diseases. Yes, I understand, but you're going to destroy a human being in the embryonic stage of development that you clone to do it. But but he couldn't he couldn't get it. As long as he thought it was done for therapeutic purposes, it was all right. So after about 35, 45 minutes of discussion of explaining why this is a genetically unique human being, I remember, boop, it clicked in his head. I could see the light bulb go off. He goes, you're right, Father, this is unacceptable. It is a human being, even though it doesn't come in the normal way. I'm changing my vote. And so he went back, they did the revote. he voted, and it got shot down. And so it was all over the news, and... How many votes was it? I don't remember exactly. Two. Yeah. Shot down by two votes. Yeah. His was... was one of the two. Yeah, his, his, it was influential that, to change his vote. And, and he and I actually became really good friends. You know, I was like, man, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mean to, to do that. But he's like, Father, you, you confronted me. I really appreciate it. Um... So it really it was great. And so I, the point I bring this up is, you know, try you. People can sometimes be reasoned with. And, and as a priest, you're going to have some authority 
know what you're talking about, but don't be afraid to, to, to talk to your representatives or encourage people to do so. Always in a nice way. Don't be a jerk about it. Um, but there, there can be a change. And when that news hit all over, I was getting phone calls and stuff like that. This great hope that we could change things. But that was 2004. 2006, this is the key. Scientists learn how to stimulate a patient's own cells to behave like embryonic stem cells. So you didn't even need necessarily adult uh, placental or whatever. They could take any cells in your body with your own genetic code and program them to behave like embryonic stem cells. These cells are reducing the need for human embryos and research and opening up new exciting possibilities for stem cell therapies. How far is stem cell therapy advanced? You know, I think a lot of the hopes and dreams that they had 20 years ago, it hasn't really panned out. Um, so, you know, I had, so, I had it done one time for my knees. It didn't work. It hurt, but it didn't work. Um, so anyhow, just letting you know that, that was the big debate. So from a pastoral perspective, the church can have weights on this. But I didn't notice I didn't argue at all. I told Craig, I said, I'm not going to argue from the Bible. I'm not going to argue from Scripture. I'm not going to argue from the church. I'm arguing from pure human reason. Is this cloned organism a human being, therefore with human rights? And, and I think you know, certainly it worked. Um, and just want to encourage you all to be able to have those same respectful dialogues. Any questions or comments? This is all sort of past, but it was such a big, significant thing that consumed us, I mean, as a church and as a culture for, along with the September 11th stuff and the war in Iraq, for a good four or five years. But it's good to see that science has evolved now where you don't really need to worry about that and that people can kind of avoid the destruction of embryos um, and be able to get pluripotent stem cells from your own adult cells. Yeah, I just had a personal experience from, it was probably less than five years ago that my dad had to have surgery on his shoulder, and he went to this clinic, and they said, oh, we can try this brand new, different type of therapy for you. It's going to heal real quick, but it was going to use the embryonic stem cells mm -hmm. in it. And so he ended up having, like my dad ended up confronting the guy and like backing out, mm -hmm. and ended up taking some, some other a little more risky surgery, but just the fact that the doctor didn't know and had to be explained, like, this is a bad thing, you know, and so, and that kind of helped to, you know, help him reason as well, like, I'm not, I'm not taking this new therapy, just for this point, mm -hmm. it, it made the doctor stop and think about it. Yeah. Two things, that in 20, 2006, it, they developed this ability to start trying to do this, but it's still, it's still being worked out to get it back to true, uh, Potent stem mm -hmm, cells. And it's still seen as a magic bullet because they do have these stem cell lines from embryos that are, that are, I mean, like you said, they wanted to establish this infinitely clonable line of stem mm -hmm. cells. And they've kind of done it. I mean, it's, they don't really need to make new ones. They've got this one line that's just like the magic line that they're using in everything. I mean, even our Advil mm -hmm. is used with this, this sort of testing. So, it's interesting that it's still not quite as easy for, in their minds, like the magic bullet embryonic solution, and they're still using it. And this thing of nobody has to do it anymore, well, they still, still are, and it's still not quite as easy to go backwards to that than it is 
at least from this point of view, it might not be effective, but if they're they're trying to get totipotent stem cells, there's still nothing easier than just taking an embryo before it gets to like eight cells mm -hmm. and it's already there. No, you're right. And that's where, but I want, I, that's where we're going to jump ahead and look at material of illicit origin. You make a good distinction that you still have the embryonic stem cell lines there. They were used to create vaccines. They're used to create a lot of stuff outside of just stem cell therapy here. When it comes to the use of that material of illicit origin, we're going to look at that a little bit later on. But yeah, there is, and again, in a certain sense too, I think, regardless of where it comes from, stem cell research has not been that magic bullet, has not been this hopeful thing to, to cure cancer, to cure everything that they thought it would have been 20 years ago. So I think not only because they can produce cells from an adult cell, a, a, a pluripotent cell from an adult cell, it's just not really hasn't panned out like they thought it would. Um, maybe in a few years it will, there'll be another discovery, but who knows? I, I want to uh, very briefly address other issues, which I, I guess are, are not as, you know, pending. You won't probably encounter a lot of it or any of it, but it's still important to look at are the issues of hybrids in chimeras or chimeras or however you want to pronounce it. What is a hybrid? Dignitatis personae 33. Recently, animal oocytes, eggs, have been used for reprogramming the nuclei of human somatic cells. This is generally called hybrid cloning in order to extract embryonic stem cells from the resulting embryos without having to use human egg. So basically, unlike human cloning, which uses a human egg, you could use a pig egg or a monkey egg or something, put the human um, oocyte in there, the, the human DNA in there, and you have this sort of hybrid, this mixture of half human, half monkey, pig, whatever. From the ethical standpoint, such procedures represent an offense against the identity of human beings on account of the admixture of human and animal genetic elements capable of disrupting the specific identity of man. The possible use of these stem cells taken from these embryos may also involve additional health risks because it would have human animal DNA as yet unknown due to the presence of animal genetic material in their cytoplasm to consistently expose a human being to such risk is morally and ethically unacceptable. Okay. So this is like pure hybrid, half, half, not acceptable. We're not going to create chicken man, monkey man, whale man, whatever. Okay. What about chimeras or chimeras or however you want to pronounce it? Chimeras are hybrid creatures that result when the DNA from two or more individuals or species are mixed. Comes from the Greek mythology. It was the monster with the body of a lion, the head of a goat, and a tail ending with the head of a snake. And this is from an NCBC article. Excluding all research on human embryos, I must also point out that with stringent safeguards in place, some chimera research could be ethically justified. Okay, so here, here we get this. As mentioned before, a chimera is simply the blending of the cells of two or more individuals in a single organism. So it's not egg and nucleus. It's just basically taking a pig and inserting some human cells into it. 
and somehow those cells grow within the mouse or the pig. Now, there could be areas where it becomes morally problematic, but as you'll see here, if it were possible to grow, say, a human kidney in an animal, starting from human cells obtained in an ethical way, that could potentially be acceptable if done with the goal of saving human lives. So you could take an animal and somehow inject certain cells to grow an organ in that animal and remove it and then place it in a human, that could be acceptable. So if you go look up mouse human ear, you could see a picture of a mouse with a human ear growing on it. On its back. On its back. Yeah, freaky stuff. Now, the church would not be opposed to such research in principle if both the insult and the means were moral. It remains true, however, that every precaution would have to be taken to prevent the slightest possibility of either a severely handicapped human being or a humanized animal, like a hybrid. So, and, and then you could see the mouse with the little ear or the nose on it, but the big debate came a couple years ago when the Chinese supposedly created a human monkey chimera, or chimera. There was a big debate over that. I don't know the exact details of what it looked like. But I think you could also bring up the case like, okay, this gets down to the ethics of, we, we, we said, well, maybe animals don't have rights because they can't have duties, but we shouldn't be torturing animals and uh, subjecting them to unnecessary pain. Where's the fine line? Is pouring mascara in rabbit's eyes bad? Yeah, that was the big thing. They would do makeup experimentation. Back in the 80s, that was the big thing. Like they would test makeup on, on little, little bunny rabbits. And so the argument was, well, like, okay, makeup is not going to save anyone's life. It's going to make someone look pretty. Don't put it in bunny rabbits' eyes. That's understandable. Should you be growing ears on little mice, mice or not? That, that's a, a discussion. I mean, this is where we can. We need to have, we have stewardship over creation. Um, and I think there could be arguments on either side. But basically, yes, these... Hybrids, no. Chimeras, under certain circumstances, if you were growing human organs to somehow be able to do that and you don't end up making a monkey man or something else weird, it could work. It brings up another issue just before that of xenotransplantation. We're going to get that in when we look at organ donation and transplantation. Is it possible to put a pig heart in a human? Um, and the Vatican, the Vatican actually has spoken on xenotransplantation, but we're going to get into that. I, as far as I understand it, a hybrid is egg of an animal, DNA nucleus of a human you put together. So it's basically half and half. A chimera is a full animal with just some human DNA injected into it. So it is a type of a hybrid, but it is not the full chromosomal makeup. So... Basically, I would insert ear cells into the mouse. I don't know how this would work. If scientists in here could explain it, I'd take some human ear cells, insert in the mouse, so an ear would start growing on the mouse. But it wouldn't have other properties. Now, the real issue with the Vatican is going to become whenever we start messing with transplantation, particularly gonads, and, 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 and are you, how are you reproducing these things? We're going to get into that later. Thank God, George. In his article said the hybrid thing is when you can 
you can take this organism and it can enter the germ line. So in other words, you can start to reproduce more of itself versus a chimera or whatever can't, uh, it can't do it. It doesn't have that. Like it's, uh, it's sperm and egg cells don't have that. That here. That's a good mo- yeah because if I just inject the the if I inject ear cells into the mouse, the mouse that reproduces is not going to have a bunch of little mice with ears growing out of them. Um, but if you create this being that grows from half animal, half I mean half dog, half man, whatever, if it reproduces, those gametes, the eggs or the sperms will have the mixture and can produce these hybrid individuals. That's a good distinction. So, all right, uh, I think that's about it. Y'all, do you have any questions or comments? We're going to talk about, so I'll tell you what the next couple of things are. So on Wednesday, we're going to talk about fertility and particularly the fertility industry, um, which I think if we're going to really talk about like these venture capitalists who are buying up fertility clinics, the exploitation of women who want to have a baby, um, but yet are, are being charged these exorbitant amounts. What are we going to be doing as a culture and society when benefits now are particularly allowing for the freezing of eggs? Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, even though we're going to address gamete donation more later. And then we're going to talk about sterilization, or I'm going to talk about sterilization on Friday. Whether or not the video will be uploaded on Friday, I don't know. But we're going to want to talk about like um, when a hysterectomy can, can be ha- had. Uh, of course, tubal ligations, no. Vasectomies, no. What to do when, this is, this is one you will get a lot, when the man or the woman, not a lot, but enough, the man or the woman who's had a vasectomy or tubal ligation repents and comes to you. What do you do? Do you tell them you have to go reverse it? Do you tell them you don't have to reverse it? What, what are the situations there? Because you will encounter that um, after that deeper conversion. So that's what we'll do is discuss Friday. But we'll have class on Wednesday. And, um, but there'll be no rolling of the dice. I want you all to, to celebrate. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.